You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 754 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. Today's show is uh, a bit of a throwback. It's been a while since this person has been on the podcast, but uh, I think still the number one guest in terms of uh, frequency on this show, and he's back after like a five-month hiatus, I think it has been. Definitely the longest amount ever. Jeff Siegel, hello, sir. Doing, uh, you know, just just happy to be back on the show. Happy that you you asked me back on after all these months. Yeah, um, our beef is well known. I'm kidding. Um, That's not true. But uh, it's been weird recently. Obviously, everyone knows that in terms of uh, in terms of life, and uh, you know you are not covering the Hawks every day anymore. Which I, I try to give you a little space uh, after that because uh, your time came to an end based on AB five. So, shouts to California lawmakers for that. I'll let you not comment on that just to be safe. But um, yeah. So that's that's the that's the general gist is that I, I tried to keep uh, Jeff's mind off the Hawks as much as possible. During this time, but now I'm making you talk about a little bit of Hawks-related stuff. This will be kind of a general show, honestly, because, you know, the Hawks are in the same situation as everybody in, but you're, you're covering the whole league, and you're obviously an expert on a number of different things, and I want to just kind of talk about um, the way that things are operating right now with the NBA, and maybe look ahead to kind of how the CBA landscape is going to be, the free agent landscape, just some, some more uh, general NBA stuff, but it probably ties into the Hawks, at least along the way, because of the fact that the Hawks have a lot of cap space this summer, et cetera, et cetera, we'll come back to that. In a second, but before we dive in, uh, I guess I'll start off with, with some uh, broad questions. What's life like right now for you? Because you know, people don't may not, may not know this that you are, uh, I would say, a full time uh, sports person, basketball person. You do not have a day job to uh, occupy your time. So, what's it looking like right now for you? And uh, what are you? How are you feeling the hours? Yeah, uh, it's it's been a little weird. This is you know usually during the sort of regular off season. I've been about two and a half years of doing this basketball stuff full time between early bird rights and then all the other places I was freelancing and then shutting all that down and just focusing on uh, on early bird. I was you know I, I've been filling my time similarly to how I usually fill my off season time, which is you know catching up on TV shows and movies that I haven't seen in the last several months. Uh, you know catching up on the books that have all come out over the uh, during the season and, and over last season and just, you know, whatever I, I had not uh, gotten to, uh, from my, from my shelf of, of books. And I'm still sort of working my way through those. Um, you know, basic, basically trying to fill my, my time with the, the pop culture stuff that I missed, you know, during the, uh, during the season and, and in terms of work stuff, you know, I'm, I'm heavy on the draft right now. At some point I'll be writing something about the draft eventually, uh, but there are no promises because the days don't matter and nothing else matters either. So I'm just sort of doing whatever I do on that front. But I'm, you know, spending three or four or five hours a day watching film on that, but trying not to kill myself and just kind of, you know, trying to, to stay healthy, stay hunkered down inside. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a little weird, but it's it's kind of a nice break, you know, from the from the day to day grind of the regular season. But I certainly would be rather covering playoff games right now. 
Yeah, I think we're all in that boat. Like, I think, it, you know, if we all take a step back, there, there's a chance. I'm not saying this for everyone, but there's a chance that some people along the way, like, probably needed this kind of break from sports. Um, I, that's definitely possible in my brain to say, like, maybe three months from now, if we're restarted, if that happens, um, I'm not sure that it will. But uh, if that happens, I might look back and, like, be thankful a little bit for this kind of respite because, you know, I have a million jobs and maybe this helps me slow down a little bit. But, yeah, it's interesting to just kind of – we're all sort of in the similar boats. I still have my day job, so that's taking up a lot of time. But I've I do find myself watching a little bit more um, TV, movie stuff that I wouldn't be able to catch, just because I be, I would normally be watching games. Like I'm always busy during the day, which is different from a lot of professional people that do this. But at the same time, I we all kind of watch games at night, and now there are no games, so there's still even more time um, along the way for that. One uh, thing I have to ask you about, because it's like I think it's like kind of contractually obligated right now in terms of podcast content. Are you watching The Last Dance? And I think the answer is yes, because you wrote something about The Last Dance. Because, but of course, it was in a very perfect early early bird rights fashion because you uh, took something from Last Dance and wrote about the salary cap. Because that's perfect. Yeah, uh, I've been watching The Last Dance every Sunday live with everybody else. Um, you know, and, and that first those first two episodes covered a whole, whole lot about Scottie Pippen's unhappiness with his contract and as somebody who very recently sort of got into the the collective bargaining agreement and the uh, the salary cap within the last four to five years i didn't really know anything about what was going on in the mid 90s from a salary cap perspective so i just you know downloaded all right or i think i already had it but i i found the 1995 cba and just sort of dove into it figured out where the bulls were at the start of the 95 offseason and like hey what could they have done to you know, to pay Pippen a little bit more over those last you know three uh, championship runs, and you know the answer was if you know if they had paid him in 1995, then they you know either would have had to not do the Dennis Rodman trade or you know tr- you know uh, not do you know one of the other signings that they made. I think Randy Brown was somebody they signed during that offseason. But by the time they got to 96 and then 97, when Pippen was actually unhappy with his contract, there was nothing they could do about it. You know, and obviously they didn't have to come out and say, hey, we'd like to trade you because, you know, that's something that Jerry Krause apparently did. And that's not, you know, that he didn't have to do that. But in terms of giving, you know, getting him more money, there was no there was no option for them to do that in 96 and 97. So it was really, you know, 95 was their last time to do that. I went into the the details of why on uh, in that article a few weeks ago. And then, you know, since then, there hasn't really been anything, you know, from the last dance that's been, you know, salary cap dependent. Um, so I've just sort of been enjoying it. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you know. It's kind of funny if people like you and me that study this stuff and are in this stuff. It is really wild to see how much content is being generated about the Last Dance. I know that's that's in my brain when I even when I watch it now. Um, you know, and we're on Twitter. I'm still, I'm trying not to dial it on Twitter the entire time because I'm actually trying to watch in a way that is kind of more consuming when it's live with everybody. But part of the experience that I enjoy is being on Twitter and interacting with everybody else. But, you know, it is really driving the news cycle right now. I know, I mean, Scott Van Pelt's been talking about this after. He's doing this after shows for SportsCenter. And, you know, it feeds content for days. Not maybe the whole week, because uh, the NFL is probably somewhere in there as well. But at least... You know, Sunday night and into Monday and maybe even Tuesday each week right now, it is lots of Last Dance spinoff content. And some of that's bad. Like some of that's like the like like the Jordan-LeBron debate that just never ends. But I'm also just kind of enjoying and being fascinated by how much um, of the attention is being spent on this. I know that's obviously a product of the circumstances that we're in. But uh, thank God for this if you're ESPN. It's driving a lot of uh, talk. Yeah, I mean, they've got to just be so happy that the, that they were able to move up production 
uh, to, to be able to air this right now. Of course, had they not done it, then we probably would have just been just as happy when it actually aired. I think at the time when they really ramped up production, we didn't know how long this thing was going to last. We thought, hey, maybe there's only six, seven weeks off and then we'll just get right back into sports. And so how do we fill this gap? Here's a five week you know, documentary series. Let's just you know, ramp up production and do that. And then, of course, you know, this thing is going to end in, in like a week and a half. And then there's probably going to be another three months with no sports and no nothing. And, you know, it's it's I think they I mean, there, there was nothing they could have done about it, but they yeah, I think if they could go back, they might have pushed the, the delivery date back a couple of months, tried to you know, really ramp it up, show a trailer here, a trailer there, make it more like a movie where they really ramp up over like a three month period and really get people interested in it. Of course, you know, I'm sure it's doing very well in the, in the ratings, but you know, they're going to have to come up with something. I hope they have, you know, they, you know, they would be interesting if they had like some documentaries that they hadn't released and weren't maybe even all that good, but they just are like, screw it. Like, let's just do it. You know, any new content is going to get eaten up this time, you know, right during this, uh, during this period. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what ESPN does when, you know, when this thing ends in about a week and a half. Yeah, they have a couple that they've been announcing recently. I'm a sports media nerd. Like, they have one on the 98 home run chase with McGuire and Sosa that's going to come out, I think, in June-ish, something like that. There's one on Lance Armstrong, but, like, none of those are going to get the same buzz that this one is going to get. And I'm kind of with you. Like, maybe they could have held it a little bit longer, but at the same time, they did this. They really did, and they've even talked about this. Like they kind of did like the Star Wars rollout for this. Like where they were they were teasing this thing for eighteen months. It was slow, um, and you know it probably lands lands a little bit early. But you know it also came at kind of a perfect time because it was it was post Tiger King because Tiger King kind of dominated the first couple <laughs> weeks. Um, as funny as that is, like it was like a big news story when Lloyd Pierce was asked about Tiger King on a Zoom call that we all did, and that was a, like a lifetime ago. But that was during this pandemic, and it's you know. I think they, they, they timed it pretty well. I think the director would have loved to have more time, I'm sure, and it's supposed to come in June, but it's filling the time, and I think hopefully, you know, if you're them, um, and obviously we don't weep for ESPN necessarily in terms of the people that are shareholders and all that stuff, but it's, uh, we want, I don't know, eventually they're going to have to get some content that's not, you know, stuff from 1998, but uh, they'll probably do what they can, and they'll figure it out. Because you know, the, the NFL, if nothing else, will, will provide for them. Because we're we're recording this in the middle of a three-hour uh, schedule release uh, <laughs> madness, which is absolutely absurd. But anyway, um, Jeff, before we dive into some actual present-day NBA stuff, I want to tell the people about, about the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and there are many reasons to love Built Bar. On top of the incredible taste. Built Bar is fantastic for anyone that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose weight or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Quite honestly, it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar in the best possible way. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and unlike some others, the bars are soft and easy to chew. I can tell you that I've been loving, loving, loving the banana nut flavor, and the peanut butter brownie flavor is also quite enjoyable. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all bring a spectacular flavor profile to the table. I recommend Built Bar, and in order to check it out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, Jeff, let's, let's talk some actual NBA now. Um, present day, uh, we, you alluded to this earlier about you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a couple more months before anything happens. 
And, you know, the latest news on the NBA front is, you know, the postponement of the draft lottery and the combine and all this discussion about practice facilities opening. Um, the Hawks are tentatively aiming to open next week as of uh, when Travis Schlenk was talking earlier this week. There are some teams that have talked about opening as early as Friday. I guess people are listening to this on Friday, probably. Um, so it's it's sort of ramping up a little bit. What are you hearing in general? And uh, how do you feel about the way this is all uh, kind of going down right now? I mean, everything I was hearing up until last last Friday, as you're listening to this a week ago, um, everything about that was all about the draft. Everybody was freaking out about, like, is this lottery going to happen in two weeks? Are we going to have a full blown lottery? What's, you know, who, who qualifies for the lottery? How is that going to be changed? Does, you know, does, do, do the teams who are not in the playoffs right now get to be in the lottery? And then if we have the rest of the regular season and new Orleans makes the playoffs, do they get the lottery pick and a playoff berth? Like everybody was, was freaking out about that. Everybody was freaking out that like they were going to have to try to get these interviews done, how the combine was going to work in the first place, considering that no group of people is supposed to be hanging out together anyway, right now. You know, was the combine going to happen? If the draft is going to happen, what, you know, how is that going to be administered? How is that, you know, just the whole thing? People were, you know, throughout the league were really thinking about the draft and trying to figure out, you know, do we need, they were just ramping up for the draft as if it was happening because if it, if not, you know, if it were to happen, then they needed to be ready for it. So they were, they were looking for some guidance from Adam Silver on like, when does this draft look like it's going to take place? We still don't really know that. We know it's pushed back indefinitely. But like we have no idea when that when indefinitely means like, does that mean two weeks? Does that mean a month? Does that mean three months? Like we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. I guess, you know, maybe there's a little bit more internal uh, communication than, than I've heard on the outside. But there hasn't been a, a strict date on when the lottery is going to happen, when the combine and when the actual draft is going to happen. So that was that really dominated for like the last two weeks of April. Like every conversation started with, you know, what have you heard from other people about when the draft might happen? Um, you know, and then out, outside of that, then of course it transitioned into, you know, practice facilities, how long until, you know, how long until those facilities open, how long until we can have full five on five practices. And then how long do, do we need of that until we can have games start? And we got uh, a little bit of, of sort of news about that today. And, you know, the, earlier this week, I think Milwaukee's Mark Lazary, who he's like a co-owner of the, of the Bucks. He went on CNBC and said, you know, practice facilities, most of them across the league should be open by the end of May. And then games could start by August, which, you know, maybe, you know, is, is a little <laughs> bit on, you know, that's, that's not great for a lot of people who were hoping it was going to be sooner than that. But like, that's, you know, I think you, you need the testing to be able to ramp, you know, be ramped up by August that's the biggest hurdle at this point to, to getting back in and, and really having these games, you know, go, you know, go forward as they're supposed to, but that, you know, that's still, you know, August is obviously a long way off and we'll see, you know, every week it brings new information about like who's opening their practice facilities. Houston was going to, and then they pushed it back 10 days, you know, Portland, Denver, Cleveland are opening on Friday. You know, as you hear this, they're probably already open. Sacramento will open on Monday, Miami next Wednesday, the Lakers, the next Saturday, Milwaukee and Atlanta are sort of next week, but don't have a set date yet. So there are teams that are sort of, you know, getting their guys back into the gym, you know, for, you know, Atlanta specifically, Trey Young is in Oklahoma. 
you know, quarantining at his at his house in Oklahoma. What does that mean for getting him back to Atlanta? Is he, you know, if he if they are they going to send a jet for him that's you know cor- you know that's sterilized and you know only a few people on the jet or yeah, gonna... I mean uh, he's not the only one by the way. Kevin Herter's up in I think he's in New York. That click click appels in Houston. There, there's guys all over the place. He's not the only one too, which is kind of it's something people are not talking about. So I'm glad you brought it up. But uh, this is a problem that a lot of teams are going to have because they, they they let everybody go home and with good reason. But now you, now you have to get him back. And do you want Trey Young getting, getting on a commercial flight right now? I'm not. I'm not sure you do. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. I don't. I mean, even if he flies first class and you buy out the entire first class cabin, it's like you still got to like walk through security and walk through the airport. Like, there's just there's a lot of uh, of moving pieces there. And if you send a private jet for Trey Young because he's the face of the franchise, and then Kevin Herter's like, hey, I need to get back too, and he's like, all right, well, get on a <laughs> get on a flight. It's like that's not going to go super well, you know. And and Capella's got got to get back from Houston if he's healthy to play. And you know, we haven't really heard you know too much about that. So there's you know there's just so many moving parts to opening the facility in the first place. You can open it, and then you know who's in Atlanta still to to use it right now. And do you know do those guys do the guys who are not in Atlanta? need to be working out at a gym closer to their house can they find a gym that's that's open close to their house so there's just a lot of of moving pieces for opening these uh these facilities yeah and there's a lot of attention paid to this and i know why there's nothing else happening for one um but it's a big story to have sort of the first even semi-official nba you know sanctioned workout in inside your own facility even then like the restrictions are well documented. You can't really have it's not practice. I think fans know that now as we sort of bang banging it into their heads. But it's not going to be like they're coming together to have practice right now. It's going to be very specialized, individualized, supervised, but also from distance and uh, sort of pretty minimal in terms of what's actually going to be happening. Um, so I I both simultaneously understand why it's a big story and also want, kind of want to say that that's not really a big development. It's it's a development that is worth talking about but it doesn't really necessarily bring you that much closer to actually having games. And we don't know. I and mean, you talk to people all the time. I talk to some people. You definitely have more sources than I do around the league, but it just, you know, everybody's still in this holding pattern. Everybody kind of has their opinions that they might want to share and might, might not want to share. But at the same time, it's this big holding pattern and kind of the no one knows anything for sure um, is what I want to always come back to because that's kind of what everyone comes back to. Even if you have a strong opinion, it's still an opinion, not like, something that's actually going to be happening with all of this stuff. And now you've at least hearing this and you can disagree if you want to, but you know, there's this at least PR spin or front facing spin from the NBA that they uh, sort of dug themselves into now where they're really hard line with not wanting to take tests away from everybody else. And I totally get that. Um, but this testing problem that we have nationally is not going away in a split second. It's not going to suddenly just not exist. So if the NBA holds tight to that line where they're really sort of, they don't want to have any mass testing of guys while the sh- while they're still testing shortages across the country, that's going to be a big domino. And, and I'm not sure how they walk that back because, you know, unless you just think that testing around the country is going to suddenly be stable in two weeks, which I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's kind of a tough. It may not be a huge PR thing, but when you when you say one thing, that actually opens you up to do it to more scrutiny if you end up doing the other. So that's also tough uh, along the way here because even the bubble ideas, you have to have a certain amount of tests. It's just kind of the reality. Yeah. I mean, and not just like a certain amount of tests, like you need a thousands lot. of tests. <laughs> you, know, tests. you know, if, if there are 30 teams and there are, you know, 40 to 50 people, you know, coaches, players, staff, trainers, medical people, you know, 40 to 50 people per team, 
you know, you're, you're talking about a, just a ton of tests that you need to be testing people every single day. And as soon as there's one positive test, then what happens, right? That's like, the, that, by the way, that is the biggest question of, in all of these sports, by the way, in the NBA and in, in Major League Baseball, because they're trying to go along a similar timeline. It's kind of, it's kind of different because they're trying, to re, they're trying to start, whereas the NBA is trying to restart. But that is the question that leagues have not publicly answered, and that includes the NBA, is what happens if one, even if it's, just, if, if it's only one player, what, what is the protocol for when one player tests positive or one assistant coach or one head coach? One person in whatever bubble you construct, if they test positive, what happens next is like the biggest question that people are talking about. But that's like, for me, that's the number one thing is like, okay, line up, line up all the testing, all that stuff. But what is your response going to be when even one player tests positive? Because that, that's a huge thing. And we saw it on March 11th when they shut down the league. One guy tested positive, And within an hour, you saw people tracing back, okay, Rudy Gobert has had has had contact in the last four days since he may have gotten this thing because the, the, the virus takes four days to present roughly. He, in the last four days, he's touched these three teams and these three teams have touched these three teams. And all of a sudden it was everywhere. There was no, you could trace from right there within the, over the last four days, Rudy Gobert had essentially, you know, through de, you know, degrees of separation, touched literally every player, every coach, every referee in the league. And it's like, that's, I mean, if you're bubbled up, that's going to, you know, the, those, that's going to happen just, you know, the same way where one, you know, the virus gets in the bubble and then that's it. So where that, you know, what their answer is to what happens if somebody tests positive again, that's, you know, like you said, that's the, the most important question after you get all the tests. Yeah. And the testing volume is a huge thing too, but that's just, I, I, I've seen it talked about more in the last week or two, uh, especially on the baseball side of like, okay, all your plans are great, but what's the response going to be? And that's the same thing the NBA is going to have to address. And um, maybe that's like the last domino that they're going to talk about when they get closer to ramping things up. But it's just something that's going to have to be talked about on a wide scale that's just not being discussed prominently just yet. And I think that's, you know, it's probably for the, for the best because they probably don't know what their answer is, what their answer is, but they're going to have to find out what their answer is uh, to be sure on that. Um, where do you fall on the regular season versus scrap it and go to the playoffs thing because there you know basically there are three scenarios there are um cancel altogether regular season comes back or playoffs start anew um and those they all have they all have varying specifics including the playoffs could be shorter all that stuff but in general there are three broad ways that the nba could go forward um obviously we can't really answer this but where where are you on in terms of like from the outside looking in what is the best course for you the issue with finishing out the regular season is that that's just like what non-playoff team is going to be interested in in risking their guys health to come back I, right? I agree. Like, I agree with you, by the way. But here's one thing: I'm, I'm going to let you finish. But before I forget to say this, I, I've said that before, and I've actually gotten people from inside teams. I will say teams, multiple, that have said, kind of push back on me to say that I'm not necessarily right about that. And I wonder how much of that is like regional TV money versus actual basketball implications, because that those are very different things. You know, financial versus basketball related are different. I think. If you're being courteous about the chances, like for the Hawks, I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about the Hawks. We're on the Hawks podcast. The Hawks have no reason to play for basketball reasons. 
but maybe they have a reason financially to please Fox Sports Southeast, or maybe they have, you know, other monetary incentives. I don't really know how that all works. I will not claim to know, but maybe their deal like demands a certain amount of games. I know Brian Woodhorse mentioned 70 and got, got there's, there's some pushback that it's not every team's going to be the same, but I'm sure in most of these RSN contracts, there is a dividing line where you probably have to have some sort of discussion if you don't reach that line. So, I just want to say that out loud, like there is maybe some reason to play if you are the Hawks, but I also agree with what you said. Like my brain tells me that it's better for the Hawks to not play any more basketball this year, um, just from a basketball standpoint, which is usually what I talk about on the podcast. Like they're already locked into the to the number four if you want to just end the season right now in terms of the lottery. There's no risk of injury. Yeah, it'd be great to see Clint Capella play, but like I'm I'm kind of with you. Like what is the real impetus? If it's not financial, I don't really know what it is. Yeah, I think, I mean, the financial side of it makes sense. I mean, I was thinking of it more from the basketball side. What what incentive are you going to give the players on these teams to come back to a, even a bubble situation where they're going to have to go through the, all this testing to play five more regular season games and they already know their <laughs> season's over? Yep. Like, you know, I mean, not like if I'm Trey Young, like, what do I what, what do I want with that? If I'm, and there, I mean, and there are like there are eight or ten teams. It's not just like there's not just the Hawks and the Knicks and like one. You know, I would say without looking at the standings, I guess I probably should look at the standings. But like, how many teams does it apply to? Because it's more than people are realizing. I know there are some play. I know there's basically one playoff race still outstanding. It's for the West eight seed. But like, even if you are courteous and include the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, who are probably out of it, and the Grizzlies. Everybody else is out of it at this point, you know that that that, and that includes the Suns, the Wolves, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Hornets, and the Hawks, and probably the Wizards. So that's like, you know, a third of the league or more is out of it. Like, why? Again, I know it's only five games, but why would a team like Atlanta? Why would a team like Washington? Why would a team that has like a premium piece, even if it, if it's just one guy, like why would you want? Bradley Beal to not use the Hawks example. Why would you? Why would you want Bradley Beal playing right now for no reason? Yeah, and why would you want? I mean, the the risk of injury. Like, what is yeah. the the not just the risk of the virus, but the risk of like injury as you come back from this little hiatus. This not little. I mean, now it's like a, a significant Two hiatus. hiatus. <laughs> you know, you're coming back. You have a little bit of training camp, but like, how motivated is he, is are these guys going to be to get back in? You know, full blown, hundred percent shape. And then if you're playing at not 100% shape, but you you know you're a competitive guy, you try to get out there, and all of a sudden you know some you know somebody real big gets hurt or anybody gets hurt, like that's got to be a, a problem for for some of these teams that are way out of it. I mean, of the the teams you just mentioned, that there's 10 teams right there, like that's a third of the league that's out of it. And you know if the if the teams you know if they if they're all going to come back for five regular season games and the Blazers are three and a half games out then they're, I mean, they're functionally out of it. Like, there's almost no way that that's going to work. Right. You know, if, so the Blazers, if it's only five Pelicans, games, Kings, like, Spurs, let's not even do this. <laughs> yeah, other than uh, for the financial reasons. And, of course, right. that's where Windhorst's report comes in. You would think, based on Windhorst's history in Cleveland, in Miami, both of those guys, or, you know, both of those teams are with Fox Sports in terms of their local TV deals. You would think that that might be where he got that information, where, you know, the the teams that are maybe all of the Fox Sports teams, including the, the Hawks. Number. Yeah, or are you know they need to hit seventy in order to get their money? Maybe that's where he got that. I have no idea. I haven't talked to him. I've never talked to him. I don't know anything about where he got that. But I'm just <laughs> sort of reading the tea leaves of where he came from, and you know, as he came up in his career in Cleveland and in Miami with LeBron. Now, of course, 
you know, if he's in LA with LeBron and Spectrum, that's a whole separate thing. Like Spectrum just has the uh, the Lakers contract. I don't think they have anybody else, but you know, he's got some contacts with teams that are on that are under the Fox Sports bubble, which covers a lot of the league, including the Hawks and and, and several other teams. So maybe that's where that seventy number came from, and maybe. You know, that's where you would see the, the Hawks come back and play, what, three more games and then call it a day. And maybe Trey doesn't even come. And, you know, Vince Carter, like, there's no reason to come if you're Vince Carter. Like, screw it. There's no reason for him to, yeah, to show up might, to those you, games. You might be seeing a lot of Brandon Goodwin. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's not. But, like, I mean, as an example that's not Hawks related, you know, I wrote about this for Dime just because I we were talking about it one night. But Steve Kerr is a candid guy, usually. And he already said publicly into a microphone that the Warriors are, are acting like this is the offseason. And granted, yeah. they are they are the team that has the worst record in the league. I get I get that, but they're not really functionally for this purpose. They're not any different than the Hawks. They're not any different than the Pistons. I know their record is worse, but all all these teams are in the same spot in terms of this season. The season is over in terms of competitiveness for for all of those teams. And if Steve Kerr is just more candid and willing to say it than other people are. But the fact that the Warriors, one of the flagship franchises of the league, have now said that they're basically in off-season mode, that was the quote, off-season mode, like, that's not a great look either. And if you have those guys, you think the Warriors are going to want to send Steph? Like, <laughs> to be, I mean, seriously, just practically, yeah. I mean, Steph's not going to a bubble right now to play four games. Like, why? Why would you do that? that, that, that and I'm sure they'll send a team. If At the end of the day, every team is going to send, you know, they're going to participate. They're not going to not do it. But, you know, that's one, that's probably the number one example of a team that has no incentive whatsoever to send a player is the Warriors and stuff. But even then, that's just, that's like sort of a far out example, but you cannot convince me that they have any desire to have Steph Curry play in a bubble for four games. Like, I just don't see that. I mean, that makes no sense for them. It makes no sense for, for a lot of teams. And that's where you would see maybe a Golden State sends eight guys. You know, and it's none of their top handful. You know, it's it's almost like a summer league team, but of course, like they have to send only like NBA guys, and so you know they send you know Dragon Bender on a ten day, sure, whatever, go play. You know, Kai Bowman, who they just signed, like yeah, sure, you go do it. But you know, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, if he was even healthy, you know, Steph Curry, like they're not going to send their big guys to to play in these games, and even like on a lower level, like the Hawks shouldn't do that either. Like Trey Young shouldn't play if they're coming back for four or five games. Like the the downside risk is so much bigger, and there's no upside to sending him to to play these games. Yep, um, and that's you know that's only one part of this whole calculus, but it is it is part of it that matters. You know, I you could see pros and cons for all of these things. The the playoff. I mean, we all would love to see the playoffs just take place. That we all love basketball, so it would be a lot of fun to watch the playoffs. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again now. Just for the Hawks' purposes of this podcast, and like just just coverage of the Hawks, which obviously you're not doing full time anymore, but I am. It would be way better for me on this podcast if they just canceled the season. Now, granted, that's a very Hawks-focused thing to say, and it wouldn't apply to my dime coverage or anything else. But if you're just a Hawks fan that doesn't care about the league overall, which there are people out there that that applies to, you would want the season to be canceled because that that way, if the season gets canceled, you have a relatively normal off-season schedule and then you kind of know, at least, maybe not know, you can plan on when the season's going to start again for next season. Now, those are all rough numbers because the virus dictates everything, but at least the sense of normalcy would kind of be more for these non-playoff teams because if you're a Hawks fan right now, and they end up having the playoffs and not the regular season again, your team may not play until, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess December is the day that, that they keep, that they keep talking about, but the league's just going to move on and like the summer is going to be all strange and it won't exist anymore. The draft may not happen until shrug. I don't know. November. I have no idea. I mean, it, there's just so much uncertainty if you're a non-playoff team to where like your entire operating, you know, your operating modus operandi, however you want to say that just changes completely if the playoffs exist, because that way everything, everything else is dictated by that. Cause you can't, I mean, I guess you can, as you referenced earlier, but I don't think the league wants to have the draft before the playoffs or during the playoffs. I, I think they want to have the draft after the playoffs and have their normal, you know, sort of alignment in terms of, of their summer. Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, that makes uh, a lot of sense. You have the lottery sort of midway through the second round like they usually do, and then you have the, the draft, you know, a week or two after after the season ends, depending on, you know, how long the NBA Finals go. You would hope that they could be able to, to do that. But at some point, if they keep pushing back and pushing back and pushing back, then that's, you know, not going to, not going to really be feasible. You know, if, you know, like Lazary said, if that, if they start playing games in August and they need two months, say for the, the rest of the season and the playoffs, if they, you know, whatever, however many games that is, if they need two months, that puts you in mid October. And then if you have the draft at late October, then are you turning around and having the season start in, in late December or right around Christmas? Yeah. I mean that that means that the kids who get drafted have to come in immediately. There is no summer league. There is no off season, you know, summer before your rookie season like workout program because you've got two months and you're not just going to try to kill the kids before they they start their season. You know, what does that mean for how short next season is? Do do, do they try to get back from like December to June or do they do a full season from December to August? You know, what does that mean for for injuries for everybody involved? Like it's just there's so <laughs> many there's just so much that you you have to to, to dictate and to try to figure out. And of course, like you said, you have control over exactly none of it because the virus tells you what to do. And if we get to October and there's a second wave because the fall hits and you know, the, the you know, flu season hits in October, November, and all of a sudden everything spikes up again, your best laid plans to start on December 25th, just go up and smoke. And then what, you know? And so there's just, you can plan as much as you want and then, something could totally change with this virus and we have no idea, you know, whether that'll happen in the fall. It may not, it may, you know, it may come back. And so there's just, they're probably making 10, 12 different plans, full fledged, fully thought out plans. And then they'll just kind of try to figure out which one works kind of playing it by ear day by day. Yeah. That's the only thing they can do is just, that's not a satisfying answer, but um, even, you know, going back to your, your Lazare example, if that were to happen, you'd have almost half the league that wouldn't have played since mid March. And then the other half of the league had, has just played into October. And then you're going to start the season again in December. Like that's kind of weird. Like you'll have a lot of guys who haven't played competitive basketball in nine months. And then you have the other half or less of the league that's just been playing two months ago. Like that's a weird imbalance too. That, that, that's sort of a sidebar factor, but that matters. I mean, it's and free agency has to happen. I don't know. It's just very bizarre. Um, I wish we knew when the draft was for my own personal sanity purposes, because that's kind of all we've had to talk about this whole time. And you know, the, the season effectively ended in some way in mid March, and if the, if the draft doesn't happen until I don't know September, October, you're talking about a six seven month draft cycle. And teams don't know what to do. I mean, that's that's you led you led with that earlier on the podcast, but that was the main topic that a lot of people were talking about. Was like, okay, when's the lottery? Okay, when's the draft? And if the draft, you know, is going to get almost certainly get moved. I mean, Woj reported that when they report when they announced that 
the lottery was going to be po- postponed and the combine was going to be postponed. Um, Woji, I think he even tw- he either tweeted or he wrote it in the column or both, but he said, you know, the draft has not been moved, but the assumption basically is that it's going to have to. And we all kind of know that, but we don't know when it's going to happen. So I don't know. In addition to the playoffs and everybody wanting to see the playoffs and a crowning of the champion, all that stuff, the summer and the rest of the league, because there's just like haves and have nots, you know, teams that are title contenders. If you're the Lakers, if you're the Bucks. You obviously want to have the playoffs and want to try to win the, tri- the championship, but if you're another team, you you know, competitively basketball wise, you probably don't want the playoffs. You just want to have your uh, you you want to have your ability to kind of have normalcy again, which no one has normalcy right now. But alas, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of teams are just looking for just a calendar, whatever the calendar yeah. is. Just give me something to work with where we know you know the draft is going to be August 25th. Like just anything, any sort of of semblance of okay, at least we know this, even if we don't know anything else, at least we know this. And like, that's, you know, I think that's what a lot of people around the league are are trying to figure out. But of course, you know, nobody knows anything at this point. Yeah, that's the kind of the, uh, I think the mode for every single person in American sports right now. Yeah, pretty much. Other than the NFL, which just operates like nothing has changed, which is kind of insane. <laughs> they're but, just uh, going going through their stuff. Like, absolutely, we're going to be just, playing They're just announcing September. full schedules right now that start in September. And it's like, all right. Uh, yeah, I hope, good luck, I hope, you're, I hope you're right, man. I hope all of you are right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, we're going to dive into uh, some some fallout of terms of uh, your, your specialty and the salary cap in a second. But before we get to that, here's a uh, word from the good folks at Blinkist. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. But there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes so you can read or listen to all of the content. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books, and Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to read a book on tape during your commute or on your lunch break or while you even exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and has a massive growing library from self-help business, health to history books. Blinkist has a latest has all the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had time to. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That is Blinkist.com spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial. From there, you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA, Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, Jeff, uh, I teased this a second ago, but um, let's get into your specialty a little bit. And uh, I will say this, you don't have to. There have been some truly wild figures being thrown around by some people that may not understand how this all works (laughs) um, about what what happened to the salary cap. I know we're we're all kind of guessing, including you, even as an expert. And I know um, as people read this uh, or as people listen to this, there's a uh, a very long piece that's going to go up on Friday morning on Peachtree Hoops um, from our cap expert as well on just kind of all of the scenarios and how this all may work but uh i'm gonna open this up to you just kind of broadly what do you make of the situation obviously with the cap potentially potentially not definitely but potentially being a little bit lower than it's supposed to be and like what kind of goes into that without without going into the uh, the deep end of, of knowledge here 
I mean, the, the one sentence answer is that any answer other than I don't know is not possible. <laughs> like there's just no way to have any idea how any of this is going to work. There are no rules. There are no procedures for how this is supposed to happen. There are no like, oh, well, if 25% of the, sal- of, the, of the season gets canceled, then this much comes off the salary cap. None of this was planned for other than the, the, the lines in the CBA that just say, hey, if something crazy happens, then the league and the players come together and they decide what the salary cap is going to be for the next year. That's what's going to happen here. There's no way to know. There's no way to know what the, what they're going to agree on. It's basically like asking me four months before a, a new CBA is going to be ratified. Hey, what's going to be in that CBA? It's like, I don't know. Like nobody knows. They're still negotiating it. So nobody has any idea what the salary cap is going to be. Nobody has any idea how long that this is going to, you know, how long this is going to transpire. Are they going to smooth in some of these financial losses so that the salary cap doesn't just take a a huge nosedive and then come back up the next year. But of course, who knows whether we're even going to have a next season to the point where there's going to be any payments that need to be made anyway. Like we, there's so much unknown just in terms of like the basketball side of it. And then the financial side, of course, there's no way to know anything at this point. And so, you know, throw you, we, we can sort of throw out figures of like, Hey, if this happens and if these eight things happen, then this is kind of where you could see it going. If these eight things happen, then this is where it might go. And that's where you get these truly just like wild swings between, oh, it's going to be 95 million. Oh, it's going to be a, they're going to be fine. It's going to be 115. And all of a sudden you get all of these numbers in between and all of them make sense as long as you take all of those people's assumptions and just assume they're going to be true. But nobody has any idea what those assumptions are which assumptions are going to be true, which, you know, combination of this person's assumptions and that person are going to be, you know, factual. And so there's just no, there, any answer other than I don't know is just not, not even possible. Yeah. And that's important to point out. Cause like, I just want to kind of showcase that cause you know, this stuff as well as anybody and you don't know, um, because no one, it's not possible to know. Um, you know, the, the league, the league's official projection for next year's salary cap is what? 115. Is that about right? Yeah. So that that's the that's the number that we've all been using in terms of like salary cap projections and like how much the ca- how much cap space are the Hawks going to have? That that's been the number that we all that we've all been using for quite some time now. Um, it's probably going to change. I, I don't know how much it's going to change. You don't know how much either. It's probably if it. By the way, if it changes, it's going to go down. It's not going to go up, right? I mean, no, it's definitely not going up. So there you go. It's going to go down. Um, if it does anything, so that that's kind of all. But I, I've seen some. And some of this stuff's been smart too. I've seen some smart discussion about like what would happen if the cap went down some. Would it help the Hawks? Would it help the teams that have a lot of cap space? Um, that the stuff's hard to discuss right now. Um, I just want to kind of lay that out a little bit, just to say like, look, we know the Hawks have the most projected cap room. We know that it's really fluid. There's going to have to be a nego- that's why I kind of want people to realize there's going to be a lot of negotiation here. Like, there's not a firm you know, way to move forward here. And that adds a lot of uncertainty because it's not like doing a new CBA, but it almost kind of is like you referenced, like this is all going to come down most likely to how this is negotiated between the players union and, and the owners. And that that's like a gray area that a lot of fans don't want to care about. And I am not an expert on the CBA or on any CBA, much less any nuance within the CBA. But 
I think it's important to just keep that in mind that there's going to be this negotiation that's kind of already happening in some ways. Like, you know, Chris Paul is prominent. He's been given interviews about like what the players feel about the pandemic, all this stuff. But there's going to be a, a bigger, broader negotiation when it comes to, okay, now we can play or, okay, we, we're already playing. And what about next year? It's like, all right, let's talk about what's going to happen because if they go on, on basketball related income, BRI alone, the cap might tumble in a comical way, but they, they don't want that to happen because that way, because if that happens and you can speak to this more than I can, if the, te- if the cap were to just suddenly go to like 80 million, you have all these teams and you have a bunch of teams that are in the tax and that is not going to be tenable. So there's, there has to be some level of like, I don't know, responsibility or smoothing. I say that there doesn't have to be because we saw it last time when the, when the cap spiked the other way that they they didn't smooth it out and it, there were some unforeseen or maybe foreseen consequences. But I mean, it can't be too drastic in my brain, but I guess there's nothing necessarily to make it. So you, you kind of have to rely on both sides to be smart and kind of foresee what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, nothing is off the table. Literally, they every every possible outcome really is basically on the table. From you know everything is going to be fine. We're going to start the new season. Everything is going to be a hundred percent great. We're just we're going to have fans in the seats. BRI is going to be exactly where we thought it was going to be. Cap will be one hundred fifteen, one hundred sixteen million. Okay, I mean that's the best case scenario. But I mean, look around. Like that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, like, they're not we, they're we... not having fans in seats. Uh, I don't I don't think I, I, you can't find anyone that will tell you with any level of confidence that there'll be fans in seats um, in October for sports. Yeah. There's October, just... December, you know, yeah. February, like when are, whenever the fans are allowed back in, I mean, but that's a ton of game day revenue. Every single game. Like the playoffs. Yeah. Of I course mean, the playoffs too. Regardless. This season, e- e- but we're just e- talking about next season. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying for the cap for ne- So for the cap for next season, you can talk about this way better than I could, but how much, and this is, again, a guess on your part, but how much, even if we assume, okay, let's assume right now for, for our purposes that they end up holding the playoffs in a bubble and it works and it goes great and they're going to play the start of the season again on December 25th. Even if that happens, and that's a lot of ifs that I just laid out, um, they will have lost, the league as a whole will have lost a ton of money between the gate for playoff games, the gate for the regular season games that they lost, um, any concessions with any concessions with teams when it comes to regional contracts, you're talking about lots of money that is out the door. Even in the best case scenario of the bubble succeeding and the and the season taking place, how does that impact? And again, I know it's not necessarily we're all guessing, but like the BRI element, we would at least know is way down for this season compared to where it was supposed to be. And if if you didn't adjust anything else and just said, all right, the BRI is way down, you would assume that means the cap's going to go down. I think, but like, yes, but that's not necessarily going that's to happen because you're, when the cap smart. drops something like this, the, the CBA basically says like, Hey, if something crazy happens, come together and discuss what you think projected <laughs> Nego- income is going to be. Yeah. yeah. Negotiate it. Figure out what you think projected income is going to be for next season. Don't, you don't have to base it on last season if you don't want to, because ne- last season was so messed up and because the, the revenue was so far down that you can't, you know, you, if you can't 
say, okay, that's going to continue into next season. If they're going to start next season in a bubble or they're going to, or, you know, there's a second wave that happens in October and all of a sudden, you know, things are not going to start up on December 25th as they thought they were going to, then that changes how projected income is going to look. But for now, as sort of, and you saw a little bit of this already with, you know, the paychecks that come out a week from today, as you're listening to this on May 15th, those are the first paychecks that are going to have a little bit of extra withholding. It's going to amount to 12.5% of every player's salary for the year, spread out among, you know, across a, a bunch of checks, depending on exactly what everybody's free agent situation is going to be and what their contract situation is. Players who are going to be free agents this summer pay more up front, but everybody is going to pay in about 12.5% of their base salary for this season to try to offset some of the ownership's losses. If the playoffs happen in a bubble and they lose a bunch of regular season games, they lose the local TV money or some of the local TV money, they lose, of course, all of the, the gate and the you know merchandise that would be sold and just all of the sort of game day revenue. They lose all of that, of course, because there's going to be no fans then the players probably would have to agree with the owners on like, hey, let's give back even more of our 2019-20 salary, but let's not have this bleed into next year. The only things that would bleed into next year are the things that will actually impact next year, like the loss of game day revenue for next regular season, how the local TV contracts would happen based on, like, what if they're still in a bubble in December because they can't go back to their home cities, but they can play in this bubble in Las Vegas or Orlando or wherever they have this bubble? Maybe they play it in the bubble, but how does that work for local TV money? Does that Do the local TV people send all of their cameras and equipment and everybody to Vegas or to Orlando and everybody sort of broadcast their own stuff? Or is everything just going to be on League Pass? Or, you know, how are they going to handle that? How does that affect their their revenue? How does ESPN and Turner, how do they, you know, have their, you know, th- how do they fulfill the national TV contract stuff there? The international TV contract, all of that stuff. So there's just, all the salary cap will be based on what they project next year's revenue to be. So anything that happens this year, whether it's the bubble, whether the games are canceled, that shouldn't necessarily affect next year other than, if the season is canceled, that means that this virus is still obviously a, a big part of the daily life. And then it, it, the, the virus may affect next year, but nothing financially that happens this year should finance, should financially impact next year. But we don't, it's all up for negotiation. <laughs> so we don't, we don't actually know any of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's that actually clarifies some stuff for me. I'm glad you pointed it out in that way, because it's like I said a second ago, you know, the, the negotiation between the two sides is paramount here and it's going to dictate everything. Um, and that that's both good and that we know that's going to happen and bad and that we don't know how that's going to go. So it's like projecting it. You know, I was going to ask you, we could still talk about this for a second if you want to. Like, there's been thoughts, I, w- I won't say reports because that's, that's too strong, but people that are smart around the league, like talking about like maybe there'll be more one year deals this summer. Um, summer or fall, whenever free agency happens, because because there's so much uncertainty, maybe players will look to just like hit the market again later, um, and how that could impact the Hawks. We could dive into that later on. Like, have you even thought about that kind of stuff? Like, how just and we'll go back to basketball, like just basketball stuff now. Does that like even click in your head right now, or is just is there just too much uncertainty to even think about like how free agency might unfold as, as a sort of a, as a general rule? I mean, in general, there's just because we have no idea where the league is going financially and how much they're going to play of next season and just any of that, like there's really no way to even sort of guess at some of this stuff. But you would think that if the cap drops, 
then you would see more guys with player options opting in. You would see shorter term deals. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Anthony Davis, he's not going to opt in unless their cap really drops, but he right. probably opts out and then takes like a very short term contract and then gets, you know, gets back into free agency either in 2021 or 2022. And that's when he gets his big raise. He may have done that anyway, based on just a regular off season. But, you know, you see, I would, I think that makes sense that you would see guys take shorter term deals if the cap dips a little bit knowing that the cap will come back up in 2021 and then they can sort of get what they thought they were going to get just a year later but then again like we don't have any idea where this this offseason is going we don't know where the the salary cap is going for next year if everything sort of stays where it's at then our team's going to still want to spend not knowing that like oh hey well things are good right now but what if this thing comes back in february and then we have to cancel the rest of the season or put it the season on hiatus. Do we want to spend hundreds of, you know, do we want to spend these, all this extra money? Do we want to tie ourselves up? So it's both the teams and the players who are both looking at this, like we don't know what's going on. And when things are very uncertain like this, people get really conservative with their money. People on both sides are going to be like, okay, I don't know what's going on. So let's make this as flexible as possible for me just in case something goes haywire and you know we we don't know you know where this thing is going to go even if they have a firm salary cap number it's just there's so many unknowns that people are going to i think both teams and players might be a little bit more conservative and just be like hey let's just hunker down for a year take what's on the table take a short-term deal and then get back out there in 2021 when things are a little bit more normal and obviously that could impact the Hawks as this is a Hawks podcast. It could impact, it could impact the Hawks. I would say not the most necessarily, but more than some teams because the Hawks a have, this is the, this is a summer. They have a lot of cap space in, and also they have a John Collins decision coming. They have some things that they could, uh, you know, that could impact them in a big way on the flip side. They don't, they also don't have a big free agent that's hitting the market this summer in the way that some of these other teams do, like your AD decisions, et cetera, they don't have their own guy hitting the market, which means, you know, some of their, you know, their core guys are at least under contract for another season. So that's, that's one positive. And they could just roll the cast space over to 21, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just, it's really interesting to think about. And, you know, the uncertainty is gripping and I, I'm, it's hard to talk about. There's a reason why I haven't done a whole lot of free agency talk on this podcast so far. It's been mostly draft during the hiatus, um, and honestly, this is a big reason why is that, you know, we could talk about players and we will talk about players that the Hawks could, um, the, the Hawks could, and, um, maybe should seek in free agency, um, at a later date, maybe even with you, Jeff, if you want to join me again, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to do all of that knowing that, you know, guys might opt in guys might take one year deals. Um, and we don't know what the cap is. We don't know what the ownership situation is et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm trying at some point we have to operate. At least I do. Um, like the season's going to be kind of normal because otherwise I'm covering one team on this podcast on peachtroops.com and I can't just write, I don't know every day <laughs> for four months, but that is the answer to most of these questions, which is, uh, it's kind of terrifying, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's why free agency talk, like, I mean, I run a, a website that's entirely devoted <laughs> yeah. to the salary cap and I haven't written much of anything other than like, hey, this is a cool, like this is a report that came out. If this report is true, then that's what this means, X, Y, and Z. And then of course, like I got into the Scottie Pippen thing, but of course that doesn't matter for what we're talking about right here. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I haven't written in three weeks because like there's nothing, how, do you, how many different ways can you say, hey, I don't know? 
You know, there's just no. And since we don't know, like I can't do my free agency rankings because I don't know who's going to be free agents. I don't even have a, a guess as to how much cap space teams are going to have. I mean, you would think like if you're really just focused on the Hawks, like if you're a Hawks fan, you're listening to this and you just want to know how does this all affect my team? And you don't really the, the, the health of the league doesn't really matter. You're just looking at the Hawks. This is probably a good thing for you. I would think <laughs> I, I, have, I have the, I have the same thought just because the Hawks have their guys locked up. They have, um, regardless of w- how much cap space there's going to be, like where the cap's going to be, they're going to have the most of it. So yes. that kind of gives you a little bit of a trump card in some respects. Um, you can debate on how much that matters, but they're still going to be at the top of the heap unless something crazy happens with an opt-in or something crazy. So I tend to agree with you. Is that where we were going? I think the, and the, and the bigger thing that's on top of that is if the salary cap comes down and the, the luxury tax line in particular, that's the yep. number to watch for the Hawks. If that number comes down and all of a sudden there are a whole bunch of teams that thought they were 2 million over the tax and now they're 15 million over the tax. They're going to be looking they're, to sell. <laughs> they're 10 million over the tax. All of a sudden they're going, oh my God, we just lost billions of dollars, uh, you know, as a whole. But my team lost millions, you know, of dollars. millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now we're on the hook for a $30 million tax bill when I thought it was going to be seven, the owners are going to be like, Hey, like that's not going to nope. work for me. Like I can't do this again. <laughs> Tillman Fertitta is going to be looking to sell. I can tell you that right now. He, he's mean, the one that we're all joking about, but it's, it's that's true. The, that, I mean, but it's not just that. Like I've heard from people no. on other teams who are close or just over the line and they're sitting there like, well, if the cap comes down, does that necessarily mean the tax has to come down? And they're right that like, the, the, ta- the cap and the tax don't have to come both down together. They can do some things. They can forgo tax bills. They can just be like, hey, there's say, no my, luxury tax. My, my brain tells me, do. My, my brain tells me, my logical brain, you probably have this thought too. Like, I don't think the league, I don't think the league is going, because this is going to be, could have to be negotiated, like you've said a number, number of times on this podcast, I don't think the league is going to have the tax line at a level that's going to screw teams in a big way. But I'm also not saying it's impossible. I think at some point, logic will overrun the day and be like, look, do we want to have half of our teams in, in, in the tax and have a lot of them like, you know, selling off assets? Probably not. But also, I would have said that that cat smoothing would have been what made sense the last time. They didn't do that either. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the smoothing made a ton of sense. And, and without knowing precisely what the NBA proposed in terms of smoothing, there's no way to know that the, the PA should have taken it. But from what we know, like the, the smoothing, that's a whole other thing. We yes. can get into that another time. Later on. Yeah. This, I mean, for the tax, though, it's a big deal, but it's only a big deal for like five to six, maybe 10 teams. There may be a bunch of teams like Atlanta who are so far away from the tax that even if it comes down by $10 million, they're like, hey, man, that's your problem, not my problem. You know, yeah, and if, send, you know, send me two first round picks and I'll take I'll take that bad salary off your hands. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's there are going to be teams that are going to need to sell. I mean, right now, you know, I've got four teams that are over the tax line. But of course, that is pre free agency. So there's a lot of, of money still yet to be spent. But, you know, if some of these teams, Golden State is twenty one million dollars over the line for next year. What if that's thirty million before free agency even starts? You oh, know, I mean, like, they're going to be that that. And granted, they, I know they have a lot of money, but they, they also just spent a lot of money on a brand new building that didn't wasn't full in the last two months. Yeah, I mean, and that's a team that you would think has like virtually limitless pockets. But if you start factoring in what their what their bill might be, if uh, if the line were to come down, the tax line were to come down, 
it gets a little bit uh, dicey, and they have and they have money. I mean, then there are teams that don't have money that have large salary commitments. Like I, I joke I joke about the Rockets, but I mean, quite honestly, if the Rockets are <laughs> like Tillman's got a money problem anyway, and then you throw in the fact that they have two guys making eighty million dollars just for two of them right now. Is that about right? Maybe even more. Yeah, pretty uh, much. So yeah. It's going to get dicey for some of these teams uh, if that line happens. And if you're the Hawks, you know, this is obviously a problem that may not – a problem slash positive for the Hawks that may not actually come to fruition. But it's a good time to be a team that does not have massive commitments financially to players. Yes. This is the, this is a, a – if that happens and all the, t- the tax line comes down and like all of a sudden you know, some of these teams are really in tax hell, that's – you know the Hawks are going to be like, hey, man, I got – you know, at this point, they would have thirty-five to forty million dollars in in cap space, and they should just use a bunch of that on trades and just really try to, you know, pick up as as, as many assets as you can because they're going to be teams just looking to shed money left and right, and you know that's going to be, you know, that's that's going to be a a small positive for the Hawks in this whole thing if it happens that way. Of course, there's a there's still a lot of negotiation left. There's a lot of time left for for some of these things not to happen, but you know, the the Hawks if it does happen, are uniquely positioned to be in a, a very good spot. Yeah, um, that's probably a good place to to wrap that up. And uh, again, I, I will probably beg you to come on later on to actually talk about some basketball things, like the draft that you're prepping for and for agent targets for the Hawks and otherwise. Um, but I felt like it was a good time, and you are the person that I think about first when I think about just like the financial state of the league and all that stuff. You uh, know this stuff better than I do, for sure. And I uh, appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Um, anything you want to plug? I know you we talked about early bird rights quite a bit, but uh, it's still very useful, and people should be checking it out. But uh, anything else you got going on that you want to share? Uh, I mean, earlybirdrights.com. You can follow me on Twitter, but I'm not. You know, there's nothing really to to say about that because nothing. You know, so so little is you're happening. St- you're, st- you're still sending tweets, Jeff. You can't just like log off. Technically, I'm still so- sending tweets, but it's like two to three a day. It's nothing like it used to be. I mean, the, the you know during games it was two to three every five minutes. And now all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, crawled to, to, you know, to, uh, to a halt. And so, I mean, early bird rights may have some draft articles if you're interested in that at some point, but I'm not rushing to do any of that. I'm not rushing to do much of anything right now. You know, I'm trying to prep and I'm trying to do, you know, a whole bunch of behind the scenes stuff that maybe, you know, will, will impact early bird rights at some point. But at this point, like you can read the articles that are already up there. You can read, whatever new articles come out, but I'm not going to tell you that definitely there's going to be three new things next week. Cause I have no idea. <laughs> uh, none of us do. Uh, I know I will still be here talking about the draft and whatever else I decide to talk about on the podcast, but um, I appreciate you coming on my friend. We will do this again soon. And I uh, will not, uh, hopefully we'll not go, f- I think five months between episodes again, but uh, you're, uh, you're off the beat, which is uh, sad for me, but I appreciate your willingness to come on. Yeah, appreciate you having me. I uh, I appreciate being off the beat, but still being able to sort of check in on the Hawks every once in a while and not have to, to deal in. with some of the, uh, the some of the stuff all the time because certainly there is a lot of stuff there uh, that uh, I was not happy to deal with, and now I don't have to deal with it anymore, and so that's kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm happy to to come on whenever you whenever you want to have me on, and we can do free agency and draft stuff, or we can just you know or maybe possibly I could take a multi-year break where I go work for a team for a little while. So that's obviously the, uh, the goal, the end goal at the end of the day. And so we'll, uh, we'll see if that happens. 
I think it's going to at some point, but until that day, I will uh, ask you to come on the podcast. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend. Check out Early Bird Rights. Check out Built Bar. Check out Blinkist. And we will see you all probably next week.